second lesson is taken from uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians. Many of you will be studying Colossians this year, and uh, this lesson today is especially helpful in the beginning Sunday of a new year, and especially in preparation for the taking of the Lord's Supper. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, praying since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even, it is, even as it has been doing in you since the days that you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ in our behalf. And he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness, patience, and joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he has delivered us from the domain of darkness, and he has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Amen. May God bless to our understanding this reading from his word. I'm glad that John made the announcement concerning our devotional booklets, because uh, the introduction to the little Scripture Union booklet called Discovery this month has us studying in Colossians, and also many of the women of the church are studying Colossians as well. Colossae was a very prosperous city at one time. It was the center of the weaving trade. I remember taking a course at the uh, Regents College in the University of Vancouver, and John Stott, who had visited Colossae, or the ruins near where Colossae had once stood, had brought to class uh, some of the garments that were made out of a particular uh, type of wool that was grown in that region. By the time in which Paul had uh, gone to Colossae, and he was not apparently the first to bring the Christian message to Colossae, it was already in a state of decline and uh, economic recession and depression, uh, something like the days in which uh, we are experiencing in America to some extent. Uh, 
the Christian message had come to Colossae and Paul must write a letter back there now uh, because uh, there were many pagan cults in the area and people were trying to mix pagan uh, ways into Christian thinking. And this is always a problem. We must constantly be going back to the scriptures to make our necessary corrections uh, in matters that have to do with doctrine. Remember this. You can amend the book of church order all you want to, but you cannot amend the Bible. You cannot amend it to say what you want it to say. What does the scripture say is tremendously important. I can remember one of the most trying nights of my entire life, the night that I had a stroke in the city of London. We had visited that day in Westminster Abbey uh, to the Jerusalem chamber where the Westminster Confession of Faith had over a period of years been uh, written. And I remember trying to keep consciousness, uh, keep my mind conscious by thinking about the Confession of Faith and the putting together of the Westminster Confession. And I remember thinking all of the thoughts that could come to my mind to comfort me about the sovereignty of God, that he rules over all of the events that take place in life. And one thought that kept coming back to my mind was that those Westminster divines were men of God who met and who constantly called out the phrase, wretch me the book. And there was but one book, and the book was the Bible. They wanted to know what the scriptures principally taught because the scriptures teach us what we are to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of men. So when Paul looks back at Colossae, uh, he is encouraged to think that the gospel has gone there and that these are people who have come to a faith in Jesus Christ in an environment that is hostile. Uh, but he wants to remind them, he begins on a positive note, of reminding them of the good things that he has heard about them. It's a good thing one of our elders this morning prayed just before we came in. He is himself an accountant, and I suppose it's uh, natural for an accountant to think about reckoning up things at the end of the year. But in his prayer, uh, he prayed that we might take stock uh, as we came to the beginning, as we come to the beginning of a new year. And this is our first Sunday of the new year. And do we look back over the year past and thank God for the things which he has done for us and the ways in which he has kept us? Do we think of how we have spent our time and our money? Do we think of how much or how little we have prayed? Do we think of how much trouble we have caused or how much blessing we have been? One of the greatest prayers that I ever heard was from an old man who said, Lord, if I can't be a blessing today, please keep me from being a burden. It was a good prayer. Looking forward, Paul shows us to aim and to pray for the future. And in this, he is going to ask us to pray about a deeper knowledge of God, a deeper knowledge of his presence. People who get chummy with God don't know God. People who really know God are the people who understand his awesome power, his mighty love, and the way in which he works and what he has done for us 
and that creates within us a desire to serve him and to serve him faithfully. We can see some of this reflected in young men like Steve Wolfenden, who is willing to take flight training and go to some remote part of the earth and serve Jesus Christ, not trying to make all of the money he can, but to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. To look at Joel Barker and going back to Africa to use his helicopter training. To hear the testimony last Sunday of people like Claire Skidmore who worked in uh, the pitiful conditions that exist in Mexico. And Beth Barker who worked in the wretched poverty of Haiti. Amongst these young people, you do not see people who are concerned about lifestyle, but you see people who are concerned about taking the gospel, the good news of salvation to others about faith in Jesus Christ. What this first chapter of Colossians is to teach us is that Christ is our God. This we have studied at Christmas when we have said again that the words of the great affirmation of faith at the Council of Nicaea, that for us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven and he was incarnate, incarnate uh, uh, of the Virgin Mary, the blessed Son of God, to redeem us. Jesus Christ is God scaled down in human flesh so that his skin, which is sensitive in feeling, has been nailed to a cross in order that God might convey to you through the elements of the Holy Supper that it's a painful thing to redeem a sinful man and it's a costly thing too because we are to take that good news to other people that God cares and that God loves. And as James Denny used to say, he would like to go into some congregation and walk out with a Roman Catholic crucifix with Jesus nailed to the cross and hold it up and shake it in front of the congregation and say to them, God loves you like that. That's how much he loves you that he is also our creator, that Jesus Christ was, is with God from the creation. He is one with the Father, equal in power and glory, and that he, who is the great God of the universe, is also our friend. He has shown himself uh, loving to us. Jesus himself said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And so when Paul writes to Colossae, he tells them plainly that he is praying for them. I do not cease to pray for you and to ask God that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Will anyone want to become a Christian because they know you and because they see the way you live in 1983, because of the way you speak to other people, 
because of your concern for others, will your manner of life commend your Savior to anyone else? This is what he speaks of here, because that's the bearing of fruit in every good work, and that comes through the increasing knowledge of God. Then he begs these people to pray as he prays for them. And I want to bring our devotional thing to its climax uh, by saying this, this about the ABCs of prayer. The greatest thing we can do in this coming year is to pray more. It is more correct to say that we live the Christian life in order to pray than it is to say that we pray in order to live the Christian life. Because true prayer costs us. Their prayer is not simply the grouping of words and syllables. It's not eloquent, high-flown phrases. True prayer is a life that is backed up in dedication to the Lord. Some of the, the most powerful prayers that I've ever seen in my life have been nothing more than groanings with people who were sniveling because they could not keep back the tears. They were broken-hearted for their sins. They were deadly in earnest when they prayed for the needs of others. And it shone through, and you could sense it and feel it and know it. And when they took the blessed Lord's Supper, it was not a mechanical motion of theirs. It was the identification with Jesus Christ and those things which touched his heart and with the fact that their redemption had come through him. The ABCs of prayer, A stands for all things that prayer includes, time and eternity, others and ourselves, faith and sickness, weakness and power, sin and virtue. You cannot restrict prayer. We pray that God's blessing may attend to the needs that come to us. One of the greatest prayers I ever saw was a, a prayer by uh, a physician, Sir, Sir Thomas Brown. I have resolved, he said in his diary, to pray more. I have resolved to pray always. I have resolved to pray in all places where quietness invites me to pray. I have resolved to pray in the house. I have resolved to pray on the highway. I have resolved to pray on the street. I purpose to take occasion of praying upon the side of any church steeple which I may pass, that God may be worshiped there in spirit and that souls may be saved in that church. I have purposed to pray for my sick patients and for the patients of other physicians. At my entrance into any home to say, may the peace of God abide here. After hearing a sermon, I intend to pray for a blessing upon God's truth and upon his servant who brought his message. Upon the sight of seeing a beautiful person, I propose to bless God for his creation, to pray for the beauty of such a person's soul, 
and upon the sight of a deformed person to pray to God to give him wholeness of soul and by and by to give him beauty of a new body in the resurrection. I remember once walking into a room where a woman had been for 14 years in an iron lung crippled by polio. There stood beside me Raymond Berry, who made the Hall of Fame with the Baltimore Colts, and Bobby Richardson and Bill Wade of the Chicago Bears. I remember after we had prayed with Catherine Bryson and had started out of the room, Raymond Berry, who was always a quiet person, came back into the room when the others had left and went over to Miss Bryson's head, Mrs. Bryson's head and put his hand on her temple. And he said to her, Mrs. Bryson, one day Jesus is coming back again. And when he comes back again, he is going to give you a brand new, beautiful, strong body, and you'll rejoice in that day. And Raymond Berry left the room, and I felt the presence of God in that great athlete and his testimony to his Savior. A stands for praying for all things, and B stands for belief. Our Savior's constant statement in regard to prayer was if you can believe all things are possible to him that believes. Nothing is possible unless we believe. The impossible is not a category that God recognizes. Belief in prayer is squarely based on belief in God. And then lastly, let me say the C of prayer if A stands for pray in all things and B stands for belief, then C stands for commitment. And commitments are costly. It means what we're doing here today is identification and involvement. A little girl was asked about her operation that she had had and whether or not it had been painful. And she said, they told me that it wouldn't hurt. And she said, do you know what happened? She said, the nurse came and stuck me with a little needle, and I just disappeared. <laughs> well, that's a child's way of speaking. Well, the one who belongs to the Lord disappears as far as what his own desires are concerned, so that Christ may live in him. The thing that boggles churches today is the preposterous, insane, and sinful egos of people who will not surrender to Jesus Christ so that the only thing that counts is the glory of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist said it perfectly. He must increase, said John the Baptist, and I must decrease the heroism of self-effacement. The thing that hurts us in the work of Christ is that you cannot put your glory forward, and I cannot put my glory forward 
and be serving Christ. We have to get ego out of the way. We have to ask Christ to help us to disappear so that Jesus and his own work and will may be accomplished. The more ego you see, the less of Jesus will be in evidence. Prayer involves risk. The risk of coming like Jesus did under the olive trees and realizing that it is not my will that is to be done but his will that is to be done. And you will never be closer to God than when you can say and really mean it, Lord, you know what I want. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And if I can say that and mean it, I am closer to the heart of God than I've ever been or ever will be. That's when you're one with him. That's when you've surrendered to him. Commitment. You can make that commitment before we take the supper this morning. I've told the story before, but I can't resist saying it once again. Years ago at the Chicago Tribune in the city of Chicago, the religion editor called in a writer one day and he said, there's an old evangelist who lives in a suburb near here and we need something for the religion column on Sunday, on Saturday for the Sunday paper. I want you to go and interview Gypsy Smith. We want to write a column about where is he now and tell about all of his former glory and what he did. Funny thing happened one day to me. I was with George Johnson visiting at the Veterans Administration Hospital at Oteen. The man that we visited is now dead. He died not long after our visit. He had a battered old Bible beside his bed, and inside that Bible he had kept a leaflet of a crusade in which Gypsy Smith had preached. Now I remember taking the leaflet out and looking at it and thinking of this story and how that reporter for the Chicago paper had gone out to see Gypsy Smith, old, old man that he was. And the reporter had had him go over some of the great campaigns and crusades that had been conducted. And the reporter took down facts of interest that he would write about and gathered his story together and went back to his typewriter and started to typing it out. And he told about how he had looked when he was a young man, how powerful he had been. And then he told about how that old evangelist had described a meeting that had taken place in a red light district of Chicago where sinful people known to be sinners were, and how that a meeting was held strictly for the street walkers and the prostitutes, and other people were banned from attending that meeting. And Gypsy Smith told this man of how many of those women heard the story of the invitation that Jesus had given, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, 
and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And of how that woman of the street had followed Jesus to Simon the Pharisee's house, and how she had washed his feet with tears. And the reporter said, as the old man told the story, the old fire came back to him, and his eyes filled up with tears, and his voice tightened, and he said, I saw the chill bumps on my arms, and he said, I swear in ten more minutes he would have had me, but I had a deadline to meet and a story to get out, and so I came back to type out my story. He did not make his commitment to Christ. If you have a feeling that comes to you that impresses you with the love and the forgiveness of God and you let that feeling pass and do not act upon it, you simply harden your heart. That's why it's so difficult for religious professional people really to get into the things of the Lord. They become callous and indifferent to the things of God. But if you're sensitive and responsive to him as he speaks to you today to the Lord's Supper, then he will forgive you all the sins which you have committed, not simply in 1982, but in all the years before that. And you will have the promise of a great new year in front of you, 1983, that has come to us now with Christ. For forgiveness is an invitation which you accept and you're invited to come to this table. It is an opportunity which you take. He said, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. It is a responsibility which you shoulder. This do in remembrance of me, for you do show forth the Lord's death until he come. We not only show it forth as we take the Holy Supper, but we show his death by daily being crucified to self and living under the Lordship of Christ. He was the word that spake it. He took the bread and break it, and what that word did make it, I do believe and take it.